this podcast is actually the result of a very long-winded blog post. I initially wrote this to put on the Gifts Unto Men website, which is giftsuntomen.com. But when I realized that it was just too long and not necessarily the best subject to break up the way that it was written out, we decided that it would be best just to turn it into a podcast and then we could even expound on some areas more. So as we introduced earlier, this is going to be about renewing the mind, which is pivotal in the Christian walk because you are flushing out what you knew and relearn- you're learning how to see life through God's eyes. How do we know that? We know what he sees through reading the word of God. So I was thinking that I could just start reading the blog post that I initially intended to post. And then as something catches your attention and you want to add to it, then you can go ahead and expound on it or same for me. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. All right. So let's get started. So the title is Renew Your Mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We start off the blog post with that scripture, which is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then the blog post goes on. Once we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, our spirits are renewed by the Holy Spirit. However, the mind, the understanding, the soul, is still the same. This scripture instructs us to let go of or unlearn the world's way of thinking as we learn and become who we are in Christ. The result? We prove that that God's will, his way of thinking, is good, acceptable, and perfect. It is our understanding that allows or blocks God's promises to operate in our lives. Each of us is responsible for renewing our own mind to think like God thinks. So I just want to interject here because this word here uh, talking about renewing our mind and presenting our bodies, like that's a heavy charge. I mean, there. first of all, if you believe that the Bible is true or if you believe in God, He's requiring of you. Let's just say you believe in God just as a deity by itself. You're not sure the Bible's true. Obviously, if he is God, he made all things, including your body, including your life. So then that belongs to him in a way, right? He created it. Anything that you create or invent is yours. So he's asking for us and he gave us free will. So we have a choice to do that. That's why he even has to tell us to do it in the first place. But this is a high charge. The only thing you're born with, the only thing you have when you come on earth is your body, right? That's just, that's everything you own when you arrive on the scene. And he's saying, present it, present it to God and let him change you. That's what he's saying. Present your bodies to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Then he says, and be renewed and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He'll take what you give him and help you be what he desires. Because at the end of that, it says, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. Now, I've heard some people say, 
Well, you know, I'll live for God when I get to heaven. But he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he's talking about your bodies. You have your body while you're down here. There's many bodies in the ground. And if again, if you believe in God, believe in afterlife, your spirit continues on. Your soul continues on. So doesn't it make sense to do this? To take what he has given you and honor him with it? You still have your choices. You still have your will. He's not saying shut your mind off, but he is saying to give honor where honor is due, right? He made it, so he's asking for you to kind of not necessarily return it back to him as uh, a letter or uh, as as burning it up. You know, he's not talking about a living sacrifice like how you would sacrifice a pig and, and uh, or something like that because he said it's got to be a living sacrifice. So if you were to sacrifice something, you would kill it, right? And in a way, you are dying, kind of dying to what you want and in that your own desires that you kind of manufactured or we manufactured or we kind of come up with on our own or we're inspired to do may not be what God wants us to do. And we can save ourselves from a lot of trouble by just doing what this very basic verse here says. But not only that, it also says renew the mind, right? So because if you don't renew or change the way you think about things, you won't be able to consistently present yourself to God. If you present your body to God, you won't see the point. You will only be left with your own perspective. So unless you renew your mind to think like God thinks, it's his idea to present your body to him. So you have to kind of get that in your thinking in order to consistently do that so he can change you into the best you, into what you were created to be. Because when we were born, we were born pretty much without knowledge of anything, without any known knowledge, right? We don't come out speaking English, we don't come out, you know, there's no someone who comes out doing math or anything. You have to learn these things. So he wants to grow us up, show us what we ought to do, then give us the choice after he's given us the options. Now, how do we know that we need to renew the mind or that the mind is uh, part of the soul? Like, how are we going to do this? And, and we're going to go into that some. The next section of the blog post is, what are the red flags of an unrenewed mind? Number one, struggling to accept God's way over the world's way. The world's influence has been ingrained into our flesh and heart and especially the mind since we were born. Now that we're born again in Christ, we must grow up learning how to operate in the kingdom of God and moreover in this world. Well, what's wrong with the world's thinking? That's a good question. Let's look at some scriptures about that. So the first scripture is Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The next scripture is Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, and the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. 
I know that's probably a big one for a lot of people. We may think just because we're not swearing, we're okay. But then you even think about a lot of the humor that we hear nowadays. You might think, well, I'm not, at least I'm not swearing. But then just considering, well, can I, you know, the saying, you kiss your mother with that mouth. Some of the things you say could be worse than swearing, depending on how vulgar they are. So filthy communication out of your mouth, something else we need to be aware of. That's that's very true, too, about the... It's not just swear words. You know, to, words have changed over time. Uh, the, For instance, a donkey in the Bible, it calls it an ass. But nowadays, we're not talking about donkeys when we're saying that. So it's what's happening in your heart and in your soul when you're delivering words. You know, if I use some kind of foul language that we all know to be foul language today, some type of vulgarity, and I say that with all of my intent, I'm not necessarily worse off than the person that says I hate you, right? Or the person that says, you know, you disgust me, go away, I hope you die, something like that. Those words can be just as filthy. Those words can be just as as harmful to you, really, because those words are coming out of a heart that has been corrupt, out of an unclean heart, out of a heart that's not purified, out of a heart that's thinking malice and hatred and deceit. And those things, those type of things, the, God is saying here is idolatry, right? We're given over to these things. We value those things more than what God's plan for us is. Would you agree with that? Yes. All right. So picking up where we left off in the scripture, lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. I'll read that last verse one more time. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So a lot of our transforming into the new creature that Christ has made us to be comes through the knowledge of what that new creature is, who that new creature is. We're not automatically, once we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we look in the mirror and we're completely brand new or we, you know, all of a sudden have this new frame of mind. No, you receive Jesus Christ, but then you're still in the same life. You still have the same exact problems that you're going to be going home to or going to work to. If your car was struggling when you got to wherever it was where you received Jesus Christ, when you leave, more than likely your car is still going to be struggling. So... It's no longer about what's happening in my life, but how do I handle what's happening in my life? And that's a lot of what becoming the new man in Christ is all about. You can't control all of life's circumstances, but you can always control how you react to them. And the way we learn how to react to them is through learning who Christ is, learning who he has empowered us to be through the Holy Spirit, and actually exercising those exercising those characteristics and until so over time that just becomes how you automatically respond to things because as you're reading scripture meditating scripture and exercising these scriptures it's spiritual exercise you become strong kind of like when you're going to the gym you might start off with lifting a certain amount of weight but then as you increase with repetition and faithfulness to the gym, you can lift a heavier and heavier weight, you know, over a period of time. Or when you start 
jogging for the first time, it might be really difficult just to get down the street, maintaining the right pace, maintaining the right pace of breath. Also, you know, all the components that come together to make you good at jogging and being able to endure as you continue practicing, you get better. You can run further. You have more endurance. Eventually you can start running faster even. So it's the same thing with spiritual things. We already have experience with physical things, physical exercise, spiritual exercise is the same thing. You take what the scripture is telling you you need to do and you continue to practice it, practice it, practice it. At first it hurts a lot, especially when it comes to walking in love. But as you continue to do it, it gets easier. Not to say there won't be challenges, because just like with physical exercise, as you uh, move up in resistance, etc., it is difficult all over again. But as you continue faithfully, it gets easier because your body adjusts and you just keep moving up, moving up, moving up. Right. Now, if you are just going to be the same way you were before Christ and before you found out about God's way and before you started following the Lord or before you found out this new way as you were beforehand, if you're going to be the same before and after, then what's the point? Right. I mean, I don't need another set of something to do. And a lot of people turn away from God because they think that Christianity is just a set of rules that I got to follow. Well, maybe some people practice it that way, but that's not actually the message of it. So the message is walking in the newness of life. The message is transforming yourself into a new you. You can't do that by worldly practices. There's so much busyness in the world. We would have been made it if that was the way. And there's so many uh, religious things that people do they would have made it if that was the way, but their heart's still not uh, full of God's life, not full of God's way. Still, some of these characteristics that we saw in these verses are being exercised in their life. And just like we were talking about earlier with exercise, you know, the word of God talks about exercising yourself to godliness. It actually uses that phrasing because it wants you to know that, you know, when you're out of shape and you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, you're trying to put that off of you. You're trying to get into a new habit. You're trying to get into some new routines and you're not going to do it overnight. Wouldn't it be wonderful if I was out of shape, never really worked out, I'm 50 pounds overweight. I go and work out tonight and tomorrow I'm a new man. No, that's not it. I started, right? I started on the path, but until I add some consistency to this, until I renew myself to this new life and to this new practice, I'm not going to see the results of it. And that's the danger. You can get really motivated from one workout, right? You can see one uh, workout video, see the testimony of somebody else, hear how great it is, go and try it and think, well, that didn't work for me. Well, no, it didn't work for you because you didn't do it. You didn't, you have to do it. It's not by trying, you have to do this. And it's just going to take time. And of course, along the way, God's there to coach you. God's there to help you. He's the best coach there is. Is just a patience walk, and it's going to take time. Just like it took time to learn bad habits, it's going to take time to learn good habits. You know, the word talks about being born again. We're being born again because we've been born and we've learned this old way. And God calls it out here. He says, mortify your deeds, therefore, on the earth. He's talking about fornication, being greedy of other things. He's like, those are characteristics that you learned being in the world, doing this thing without God. That's how you've grown up. Now you've got to be born again and become really a baby again, not in the natural sense, but in your mind. 
be open, be an empty cup, be an empty vessel. Grow up now in the things you're supposed to grow up in, and that's after Christ. Right? Christ came and he shocked the world because he did things so different and valued things so different than we do. Now it's our turn to do the same thing. All right. Well, we'll go to the last scripture, which is 1 John 2, 16, 17. And it's the last scripture for the question about what's wrong with the world's thinking. We still have <laughs> the rest of the blog to get through after this. So hold on tight. So 1 John 2, 16, 17. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world and the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So to briefly recap over each of these scriptures that were read, each scripture states the error in worldly thinking and it, they each instruct us to renew our minds and become the people that were made to be in Christ. So continuing with the blog post, the world's thinking is corrupt. It's contrary to God's way. It is corrupt because it is self-seeking, selfish. A common thought in this world is if I don't look out for me, then no one will. It operates based on emotion or feelings over what is right. And I'll say that again. The world operates based on emotions, the way it feels, regardless of whether it's right or not. Many people make choices based on what feels good or what will benefit them and are willing to compromise their integrity, morals, relationships, etc. to come out on top in life. Others compromise themselves to gain the approval of others because it feels good to be accepted, but it does not feel good to be alone or even worse, rejected. You want to add anything there or keep moving? Let's keep going. That's good. God operates based on what is right with very little regard for feelings. And I'll read that again. God operates based on what is right with very little regard for feelings. The deception of living by emotion is that doing what feels good doesn't mean that it's right, nor will bring right results. God warns us that although what we may do, although what we do may seem or feel right, the end result is death. And then there are two scripture references, both from the book of Proverbs. First scripture reference, Proverbs 14, chapter, chapter 14, verse 12. Second reference, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. In order to know what is right, to do it confidently, we must renew our minds with God's word. Romans 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, explicitly states that we are transformed by renewing our minds. We become the new being in Christ as our minds become like Christ. Yeah. So let me uh, just add some things here. So we're talking here about doing what feels right versus doing what God may have said that we ought to do. And some, especially nowadays, some of us are under the impression that if it feels good, do it. Right. If, hey, if I like it, you like it, just do that. Right. And we may not think about the repercussions of it long term because we're self-seeking we're not thinking about the next generation we're not thinking about how it may affect our neighbor it may, we're not thinking outside of can i see how this will make me blow up in the next three paces then i'm going to keep going and we're not thinking about well guess what life is going to go past those next three paces and it might be the next 20 paces it might be i'm talking about maybe minutes maybe years right the next three years you may not see the effects of 
doing this harmful thing to you yourself. But within the next 20 years, next 30 years, maybe even beyond that, maybe your children, maybe you're building a habit that when it's attached to something else, then it erupts. Maybe it's like a bomb to a match. So some of these things are pointed out in God's word so we don't have to analyze everything down to the ground. But just because something feels good does not mean that is good for us, right? And it just feels good if I just could get in the car and just run all the red lights. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily the healthiest thing I could be doing with my life. Now, I also want to make mention of the solution that we're looking at here. That Romans says that we're supposed to be transformed by renewing our minds. And how do we do that? By reading, believing, and accepting God's word as truth. I know that Romans 12 and 2 does not say you have to use God's word to do that, but I do want to point out why we're saying that the word of God will help you do that. Well, first of all, you don't even know that's there without the word of God. Okay. So you don't even know that you have to renew your mind with the word, except in the word. So that, that's already just pretty obvious, but there's also some other verses here. James 1 and 21 says, wherefore lay apart, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, pretty much doing wrong, and receive with meekness or humility the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, if you don't know, the mind is a part of the soul. Also, something else that'll let you know that this is uh, the word of God is what helps your mind be renewed, is what really the way to renew your mind is what he's actually asking you to do, is Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Well, what kind of mind did Jesus have? Well, that the word of God was the law, that he does what the word says, that he is the word walking. John chapter one talks about how Jesus is literally the word giving life, given life. So he's the word in flesh. He's the word of God in flesh. Hebrews 8 and 10 says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. So that means if you're not renewing your mind, if you're not presenting your body to God, God's not your God, mm. right? You're not, you're not following him because you don't have his law in your heart. And how do you put it in your heart? It's a choice, right? I mean, it, it, he's telling us this and he's mentioning these things and he sends people to us to help us to get these things because we have free will. However, we can be deceived in this world. I remember one person saying, well, if this is the way, why isn't it just so obvious and everybody's doing it? Well, just the same way that exercising is good for you, but everybody don't do it, right? Same way that smoking is not good for you, but a lot of people smoke. Same way that, you know, I mean, like I said, people running red lights. People just run red lights. People break the law. All types of things that are harmful to themselves, people say harmful things. And part of it's because the whole world lies in darkness. Part of it's being deceived. Part of it, the word of God tells us that men just love darkness rather than light. I mean, he has given us this choice. And some people have just chosen to do wrong. So part of it is obvious, right? And, and part of it, people are just rejecting light. And then part of it is something where you have to change your position to be willing to receive it. Part of it's just not, we're not, we're not willing. And once we become willing, then that light can shine to us. And we can see something that was right there the whole time.
All right, so I think we'll go ahead and call it here. <laughs> As you can already see, this is quite a long blog post. Well, at least it's rich with content. Um, we have yet to get to the second point. We aren't even through with the first point, but since we're almost at the 30 minute mark, I think we'll go ahead and close this one out and then have a part two. Because th there's a lot to this course, renewing the mind again. Every goal of the believer since the beginning of time has been to condition ourselves again to God's way. Now that's the way that we lost in the garden when we turned to our own way. So this is a huge topic. The whole Bible is like God saying, hey, this way, nope, this way, nope, over here, nope, this way. No, I know that looks good, but don't do it. Go this way instead. And us walking through this valley of death and really learning that God's with us, he's our light, he's our path. So this is there's just no ending to this. But what we will do is break it up so that it's just a little easier to go through and we're able to focus on the main points. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Uh... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is Give Sun to Men. We'd like to thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. We encourage you to visit us at Gifts unto men.com which is our own personal website where we have blog posts we're working on videos and we also have a podcast this podcast which is linked through the website as well we're reminding you to renew your mind and we're asking you to return for part two <laughs>